Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Um, as we continue to worship, um, I'd ask that you turn to Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles, if you have a Bible. If you don't, we have some in the back. We'd be, like, be glad to give one to you as a gift, uh, and the words will be on the screen as well. Uh, if you are a guest here, we welcome you at Redemption, and glad that you are worshiping here with us uh, this Christmas season. Um, we're going to continue worshiping uh, through the reading and preaching of God's Word now. Uh, we've been going through... Uh, Luke chapter 1 and 2, the past couple weeks as we've uh, looked at songs for Advent, songs of Advent we've called this series. Uh, it's a couple of stories in Luke chapter 1 and 2 of people who see God's glory and hear the good news of Jesus and respond with song. And so as we've looked at these, these uh, stories show us that seeing the glory of God and hearing the good news of Jesus always evokes some response. If you see the glory of God and you hear the good news of Jesus, there's always a response that will happen. You have to um, respond either in uh, joyful faith or um, hardness of heart and denial. So it's our hope uh, this morning as we look at the story of Simeon in in Luke chapter 2 that uh, God will open our hearts to uh, respond to the gospel of Jesus, to the good news, and that he will reveal a little bit more of who he is and uh, what he's done for us. So uh, let me pray uh, before we um, get started. Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to your people throughout all generations. God, I thank you for um, the birth of Christ Jesus that we celebrate this time of year. Thank you for his work on our behalf. I uh, gather that in Christ we are uh, loved and accepted by you and are born to a new life. So God, I pray that you would be with us this morning as we continue to worship. Lord, that by your spirit you would open our minds to understand your scriptures, that you would open our hearts to receive the good news of Christ. Lord, that by your spirit you would change us, that you would shape us to be more like your son Jesus. God, that you would um, give us conviction of sin and brokenness, and Lord, that we would turn from those things and lean into you, um, God, running to your grace that you so freely give through Jesus. So God, I thank you for this time. Pray that you would use it for your glory and our joy, and that the good news of Jesus would advance from this place to the nations, we ask in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 35. At the end of eight days... When he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time had come for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb should be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons." Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, 
This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is God's Word. Friends, in Jesus, we have acceptance and peace and salvation. And this is good news for us. I want to ask you, have you ever felt rejected? And we're going to start on a down note today. Merry Christmas, right? Have you ever felt rejected? I mean, just not accepted or even outright just pushed aside. Maybe it could be something as simple as kickball. Like, I went to school at this school uh, when I was like eight. And I remember playing kickball on this back lot and not getting picked for the team. So felt kind of rejected. Maybe something like that or maybe even something a little more important. Like uh, maybe you didn't get accepted to a school you applied for. Or maybe you applied for a job and somebody uh, got the position rather than you. Or maybe it is something in a dating relationship. Or maybe in family. Uh, It's the time of year when you get together with family and sometimes as we go about our celebration it can bring up old wounds and sometimes those wounds can hurt, right? As we approach the holiday season you're seeing family and friends and and maybe you just don't feel accepted and don't feel, uh, maybe you feel outright rejected and this can shape who we are and how we are. I mean, even from a young age, we, we, we feel uh, a need to be accepted. And if we don't feel that acceptance early on, it can shape our, our whole pattern of life for us. We can spend our lives striving for acceptance. Maybe you want to be accepted in the workplace or accepted in the school or accepted uh, in a certain uh, social circle. And this can be uh, devastating for us. But there's good news for us that if we can hear it and apply it to our lives, we'll totally change everything for us this holiday season and for the rest of our lives. And the good news is that in Jesus Christ, we are totally accepted. No holds barred. No stipulations. In Christ, you can be a horrible kickball player, but you're still accepted by God. right? In Christ, you can uh, maybe not get into the school that you had hoped for, but you know you are loved by your eternal heavenly Father. Maybe you have a relational riffage, but in Christ you are totally accepted by God for now and all eternity. And nothing can change that. And that is good news for us. You see, this passage of Scripture today, as we've seen the past couple weeks in Luke chapter 1 and 2, is that God is revealing His good character to His people and that He is pronouncing this good news of His Son Jesus coming to make all things right. And this good news evokes great response from people that we've seen in Luke 1 and 2. It is a song, people bursting forth with a song of of joy, saying this good news is, is so good to be true. And we see that today as this righteous man named Simeon gets to see Jesus be brought in as a, as a baby to the temple of the Lord, and he responds with this, with this uh, wonderful song saying, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. This song, this blessing that Simeon responds by seeing the glory of God and hearing the good news of Jesus has great implications for you and I today, knowing that in Christ we are totally accepted by God, both now and for eternity. And that in Christ we have true peace and true salvation now and forevermore. 
And this will change everything for you if you can grasp the grace of God through this passage today. So I want us to see first the acceptance we have in Christ. That first and foremost, the good news is that we are accepted by by God through Jesus Christ. Look at verses uh, 21 through 24. It says, At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And it was the time had come from their purification according to the law of Moses. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. You see, what happened is, is often when we look at Jesus in the Bible, we say, okay, we know that Jesus died for our sins so that we can spend eternity with God in heaven. But we often forget that Jesus came not only to be a sacrifice, not only to die for the forgiveness of sins for us, but also to live a perfect life on our behalf. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life? That Jesus lived the life that we all should live, but we can't because we are broken people. But Jesus, as the Son of God, came and lived the perfect human life according to the law of God, right down to his very first week of life. You see, Jesus fulfilled all the stipulations of God's law in the Old Testament. And this good news for us is that because he did that, we have the credit of righteousness that we did not earn, but he did. You see, right here it says, at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. So, so there was a, a tradition of uh, eight days old, the, the young men, the baby boys, uh, were to be circumcised as a sign of a covenant identity as God's people. And this happened to Jesus. He was dedicated uh, because he was the firstborn child of his mother, And it says, uh, every male who first opens the womb should be called holy to the Lord. So, and this comes from the book of Exodus and the books of Leviticus, if you read in the Old Testament. So so right from the onset, Jesus was marked as uh, God's holy child. He was a holy son. He was fulfilling uh, the law even as a baby. In fact, Jesus, when he got older, says in Matthew 5.17, on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. You see, Jesus fulfilled every requirement of the Old Testament law. If you read the Old Testament and you think, Wow, uh, there's no way I could do these things. There are, are dietary stipulations. There are religious and ceremonial laws. There are, 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 are civil guidelines that, that you and I just can't fulfill. We don't. We haven't. But Jesus did. He fulfilled every requirement of the Old Testament law. And that's good news for us. So if you look back through human history, and we were going through the book of Deuteronomy in the fall, and you know that God had given his law to his people to show them how to live. Although they failed, it was to give them a glimpse of what was to come, that Jesus would one day come and fulfill all of those requirements of the law. And by his grace, credit righteousness to God's people who otherwise were not righteous and not holy. And the Apostle Paul writes the good news for us in Galatians 4, 4 through 5. It says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Do you hear that? 
God sent His Son Jesus to live the life under the law of Moses, under the Old Testament covenant law, to fulfill all of those things, to redeem those so that we might receive adoption as sons. So friends, here's the good news. Because Jesus was born, because He was born under the law, because He was born into this covenant family, and He lived the righteous requirements under that covenantal law, because of that, we are adopted as sons and daughters by God. Does that resonate with you at all? I mean, sometimes we either can just not care and say, well, you know, whatever. Or, or we can be utterly petrified thinking, there's no way God will accept me. I have such a horrible past. I was a wild person in college. I've done some horrible things. I think horrible things. I, I do horrible things. I'm just a horrible person. There's no way God could accept me. Or, on the flip side, we can say, well, look how good I am. I mean, I, I'm very generous with my time. I'm generous with my money. I'm very smart. I know all of the religious requirements. I grew up in this tradition, and I, I don't curse. I don't smoke. I don't drink. don't dance. We can think that we can check off a list of to-dos and to-don'ts, and maybe that God would accept us. Friends, let me tell you, the person who has that checklist and has such an impressive resume and the person who has an utterly devastating track record, both are equal in the sight of the Lord. We, we both are not. There, there's no way that whether you have like a horrible criminal record or a, a wonderful religious resume, those two things before the Lord are equal. Uh, they are both subpar. There's no way that we can approach a holy God and say, uh, you, you, we have earned the right to be loved by you. We have earned the right to be accepted by you. We are, we are awesome, amazing people. There's no way we can do that. But the good news is that Christ did that on our behalf. And that's what Scripture tells us, that, that right out of the womb, Jesus comes out and, and they circumcise him and they dedicate him as holy to the Lord. And from his birth all the way through his life, Jesus fulfills all of the requirements of the law of God. And Paul writes in Galatians 4, he did that to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So friends, I want you to know that in Christ we are adopted by God the Father. And that's such good news for us. That's freeing to know that no matter how horrible your past, it's done away with. God does not look at you as a reprobate criminal, but he looks at you as a son or a daughter. Nor does God look at you as uh, maybe a person who's auditioning to get into heaven or maybe somebody who's trying to uh, beef up their resume so that God will let them into heaven. He doesn't look at you that way. He looks at you as a son or a daughter. Now, I don't know about you. I have kids. I have four kids. I would do anything for my children. In fact, we, we do a lot of things for our kids, you know. I'll do things for my kids that I wouldn't do for you guys. My kids get sick. My kids back talk me. My kids do horrible things. And I don't love them any less. They know that no matter how bad they misbehave, that they're going to go to bed in a warm bed and that their dad's going to love them and pray for them and read stories to them. And the next day they can get up and have a good breakfast that their mom makes for them. They know that those things are secure because of who they are. They're our children. We don't withhold love from our children even when they're bad. We correct them. We discipline them. But at the end of the day, they know that they're going to have a warm bed to sleep in and food in their bellies. And so, in the same way, even more so, through Christ, God loves you. 
He is a Father who loves you. And we are adopted sons and daughters. So I want to ask you this Christmas, I want to ask you today, what ways are you striving for acceptance and approval by God? Are you? I mean, one of two things can happen. On one hand, you can just be utterly despairing, thinking God will never love me or accept me. Or are you spending your life trying to strive for Him to accept you and strive for Him to approve of you? Are you doing good works and good religious things? They're often good things to do, but our motivations are wrong. If you are operating out of fear or pride, that's not the gospel. We want you to hear the good news is that you don't have to operate in fear. You don't have to operate in pride. You operate in freedom and an identity that you are an adopted child of God in Christ. And that changes everything. And that's good news. And that's what we see in this verse here is that because Jesus lived the perfect life, even from the onset, fulfilled the requirements of the law, we have adoption as sons and daughters. And it doesn't end there. We have that identity as sons and daughters of God in Christ. But look what else happens. In Christ, we have true peace. True peace. Look at what Simeon says. So Simeon's this righteous guy. He knows the law backwards and forwards. He knows the scriptures probably better than any of us could ever hope to. And Simeon uh, is a righteous man who has been anticipating God to make good on his promises. Like all of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. We've seen in the past couple Sundays in Luke 1 and 2 that, that God's people were expecting God to do something amazing. And God says, I'm doing these amazing redemptive things. I am rescuing my wayward people. I'm going to make all brokenness come undone. I'm going to restore everything and make all things right. And I'm going to do that through my son, Jesus and Simeon knows that. And so Simeon is, is a righteous guy at the temple anticipating God to do something. And then Jesus shows up even as a baby. And, Jesus, and Simeon says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. This is a beautiful, poetic song of blessing that Simeon sings out. Seeing this little baby Jesus, knowing that Jesus is the Son of God, the one that God had sent to make all things right, he says, you are letting your servant depart in peace. Now, peace is a huge word in the Bible. Peace is a, is a, is a very broad concept in Scripture. And sometimes we could look at, even in this one statement, and think, okay, there's just some old guy I mean, picture being this old religious guy in the first century Israel and the Roman Empire has taken over and they're taxing the mess out of you so you're, you're flat broke and the empire is corrupt and they're oppressing your people and the religious system's getting corrupt as well and you're this old righteous guy thinking, you know what, this is too much for me. I can't wait to check out, go to heaven and just be at peace. Right? But Simeon's statement here is not just about his personal peace, although it's part of it. He is making a broad proclamation of God's restoration of creation. All right, peace is not just like, okay, I'm chilling. I got peace. It's quiet. Peace. Peace in the Bible is a broad statement of God making wrong things right, of God taking broken things and making them restored. Relationships creation, governmental systems, religious systems, personal 
hurt and brokenness. The word peace means it's, it's a divine intervention. It is God flipping backwards things and making them right again. It's God restoring things the way that he intended them to be back in Genesis at creation. It's, it's kicking it back that far. So often we think, well, peace just means checking out of a bad situation, but, but peace actually means a restoration of something. It's not throwing everything out. It's actually making things right. It's restoring things. And so for you and I, it's easy for us to pursue peace thinking, this is just stressful, this is too much, I'm just going to check out and go the other way. I mean, that's usually what I do. If something's like loud and whatever and I need some peace, I just, I just walk out. If you're in a loud restaurant... You don't say, excuse me, I want to restore order to this restaurant. You don't stand up and kick your, click your glass and say, everybody, we need to calm down. We usually just, like, leave, right? Or, or maybe you do. Do you guys do that at a restaurant? That'd be pretty cool. Everybody do that today. Go to the restaurant and say, excuse me. You know, I'm just kidding. The Bible says, uh, don't do anything weird today. So often we just want to walk away from a stressful situation. We say, you know, we think very personally and say, like, if, you know, if you're at a concert and it's too loud, you just walk out. You go somewhere else. If you're involved in a circle of friends and the relationships get tense, it's easy just to walk out of that circle of friends to go pursue personal peace. And just, you know, it's, it's easier to walk away than it is to actually stick it out and restore things, right? And so often we have that misconception of peace, which means just personal preservation just to get away. We... It just patterns everything for us, especially as Americans. right? We want to pursue peace, meaning what's comfortable and convenient for us. We want to walk away from stress and strife and pursue things that are comfortable and convenient. But biblically, peace is not walking away from an intense situation. Peace is bringing restoration to an intense situation. And so for Simeon to say this, that, hey, Jesus is here, God is making good on his promises, I can depart in peace. He's not saying I'm going to check out of this stressful situation to go be at peace. He's saying, I, can, I have seen God initiate his restoration here and now. Peace is coming. I can depart and peace is coming. And this is amazing because Simeon's proclamation is not just individualistic, it's actually cosmic. Look what he says here. He says, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. So he says, hey, look, God, you've been talking about this for generations, for thousands of years, through your scriptures, through your prophets. You have been saying you were going to bring restoration. In fact, a few hundred years before this, the prophet Isaiah had written uh, several chapters in the book of Isaiah talk about God's restoration of his people and his restoration of Israel, bringing peace. And so Simeon says, hey, look, according to your word, I've been expecting this. Your scriptures say that you're going to do this. Uh, your prophets have said you're going to do this. Your word says you're going to do this. And now that Jesus is here, I can see that peace is coming, that your kingdom is being ushered in here and now. And that is good news. That peace is not only personal and individualistic for Simeon, although it's partly that. But look what he says here. He says, you, uh, My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Right? A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. He says, look, Jesus is coming to bring peace to God's people, to Israel. He is, Jesus has lived the perfect life. He is living the life as the perfect Jewish male in the first century and thus bringing peace and restoration for Israel, but also to the Gentiles. 
If you are not a Jew, you are a Gentile. And this is a huge proclamation for a, a Jewish religious man to make in the first century. To look around and say, look how corrupt the Roman Empire is oppressing us. God is bringing light of salvation to those corrupt guys. To look around and say, look at these uh, warring lands around us that are fighting and battling and empires toppling over and taking over one, one another. Peace is coming to them. Can you imagine that proclamation? I mean, this blows my mind if you think about it. And, and often we can be just totally detached. I, you know, I encourage you to watch the news sometimes. If you watch it too much, it can be utterly depressing. But if you look at what's going on in the world, I mean, I tell you, my heart is not inclined to pray peace for certain parts of the world. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to pray peace for ISIS. Those guys are despicable. I don't want to pray peace for the Taliban. I don't want to pray peace for Al-Qaeda. But you know what this guy's saying? He's saying that. He's saying God can do amazing things through Jesus to restore the brokenness that is known as ridiculous barbaric terrorism. Can, can you imagine? Maybe I'm getting political here. I'm not meaning to. I'm just meaning to say Simeon's proclamation is so bold, it's beyond my broken mind. That Simeon can say, Jesus can bring peace and salvation to all peoples, not just to religious holy Israel, but to the Gentiles. It's equivalent of us saying that Jesus can bring peace to us Christians, but you know what? Jesus could actually save a barbaric terrorist in the Middle East. He can. I think he will. And in fact, I'm convicted that we need to pray that he will. That God can restore those broken parts of the world. So in Christ, not only do we have acceptance by God the Father, but we have true peace. Relationally with each other, relationally with God. Peace that can stem beyond politics and military conquests and religious divisions. Peace meaning that God is setting all things right. He's taking broken human hearts and restoring them. He's taking broken human relationships and restoring them. God is taking a broken creation and restoring it. Do you believe that? Do you? I don't think we do most of the time. Because if we believed that God in Christ is going to restore broken things, we wouldn't want to check out from creation and go pursue personal comfort and convenience. Because that's what we do. We say, you know what, the world's too broken for me to be involved. I'm just, I'll be over here if you need anything. I'd rather have personal peace in my little neck of the woods. Leave me alone because everybody's stressing me out and I'm just going to hang out over here. That's the natural bent of my heart, just so you know. I get stressed out, I'm just done, just leave me alone, I'm going to hang out over here. But true peace means to stay in the midst of the stressful conflict, trusting that God is going to do something amazing. That's peace. That's peace is saying, you know what, our God is bigger and stronger than this relational tension. Our God is bigger and stronger than this addiction. Our God is bigger and stronger than this illness. Our God is bigger and stronger than this financial strain. Our God is bigger and stronger than the 
hardship of this church or the hardship of this business or the hardship of our school. Our God is bigger and stronger than the rift in our marriage. Our God is bigger and stronger than the conflict with our children or the conflict with our parents or the conflict with our friends. Our God is bigger and stronger than the conflict within our government, with other governments, with other world systems, what have you. Our God is bigger and stronger than that. And true peace means we're going to stay in the midst of it, trusting that God will intervene and make good on his word. That's what Simeon says. Simeon didn't check out and run the other way, hiding from hardship. He stays in the midst of the hardship and says, God, you've made good on your word. I can depart in peace, knowing that you've made good on your word, that you're going to make all things right in Christ for all peoples, not only for Israel, but a light of revelation to the Gentiles. So I want to ask you this morning, just as I asked you before, how are you pursuing acceptance by God? And do you trust that in Christ you are accepted as a son and daughter of God? Likewise, how are you pursuing peace? Are you looking for self-preservation, convenience, comfort on your own? Or do you see that true peace comes in Christ by Jesus alone? Thirdly and finally, in Christ we have true eternal salvation. At the end of his blessing, Simeon says, You have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. You see, the first century was characterized by political oppression, military oppression, religious corruption, and God's people were expecting a Savior. They were expecting a Messiah, a Christ, somebody to come on God's behalf to make all things right. And we know now that that person is Jesus. They were expecting deliverance. They were expecting redemption and freedom to start with Israel and then to ripple out to the whole world, which is why he says you have prepared in the presence of all peoples the light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And so salvation stems beyond God's people, Israel, ripples out to the nations, but always comes back to Jesus. And the good news for you and I today is that we are Gentiles. (laughs) Unless you are a Jewish person, you are a Gentile, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. That means in Christ, God has revealed His character and His purpose that Jesus has revealed to us the character and purpose of God. And that is good news for us today. John 3.16 is probably the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It's not a flashy postcard to have at a football game. It's, It's one of the most sincere proclamations of the Gospel through John that God sent His only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. So friends, this Christmas, where are you looking for salvation? Where are you looking for peace? Where are you looking for acceptance? If you were looking for acceptance and peace and salvation anywhere but Jesus, you were going to come up short. It doesn't matter how good, it doesn't matter how smart, it doesn't matter how nice, if you were doing good things apart from Jesus, you're missing the gospel. If you were doing bad things apart from Jesus, you're missing the gospel. The good news is that in Christ we have acceptance, we have peace, we have salvation. And this is good news for all of us 
who believe. And so I want to extend to you this Christmas a gift, not from me, but from the Lord. A gift that in Christ you were loved, you were accepted by God. That in Christ you have true peace, peace with God, peace with each other. Things can be hard. Things may be hard. Things probably will be hard in your lifetime. But at the end of the day, you know that you have true, right relationship with God and each other. And that will navigate your whole life in a different way, knowing that. And that you have true salvation. That it's both um, an identity you have now and into all eternity. So, if you're here today and you are not a Christian, I just want to invite you to accept Christ. So I don't want you to, to know that it doesn't matter how bad you are, how bad you've been, it doesn't matter what you did last night or what you did this morning or even what you're thinking right now, that because Jesus lived a perfect life that you should live, but you can't, he, he credits that righteousness to you, that rightness to you. So that in Christ, in Jesus, you were accepted and loved by God for eternity and nothing will change that ever. I want you all to know that. And if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, we want you to believe that good news and accept Christ. Okay, that in Christ you have true peace with God forever. That you are saved, you are secured, that God has rescued you from sin and death for eternity and nothing will change that. If you're here today and you are a Christian, this is the good news that we need to celebrate and we need to continually believe because we forget. I forget. I forget the peace part. I was like convicted reading this this week thinking, Peace means like personal comfort, and that's, that's not what it means in this context. <laughs> it means God bringing a cosmic restoration to a broken world that we are all a part of. And so if you're a believer like me, we need to remind ourselves of this gospel of this good news, and we need to ongoingly repent, to turn away from sin and brokenness, and to turn away from doubts and fears, and to turn to Jesus and celebrate the good news that we have in Christ. So this is an open call to us all to turn from sin and death and doubt and brokenness and turn to Jesus to repent and believe this gospel, this good news, and pursue acceptance, peace, and salvation that is ours in Christ as a free gift of grace from God. So let me pray. Father God in heaven, thank you this morning uh, for your goodness to your people throughout all generations. God, I thank you that you can do amazing things through broken people. I thank you that you stoop down into human history, God, as you've done throughout the Old Testament. We see you speaking to your people during times of oppression and enslavement and exile. We see you speaking to your people in the New Testament during political oppression and corruption and, re- and religious system brokenness. And God, we see you speaking to it to an old religious guy named Simeon who gets to see your son Jesus as a baby and makes this beautiful pronouncement that your salvation has come, that you are bringing your good news to your people Israel and to the non-Jews of the world, to the Gentiles. And God, that this is good news for all of us, that in Christ we are accepted, that we have peace and we have salvation both now and for all eternity and nothing can change that. So God, I pray that you would open our hearts to to receive that gift of grace that you extend to us through your son Jesus. God, that this would be a season of joy and faith and great excitement, God, because you are a good God who always makes good on your promises. Lord, I pray for those of us in the room 
that have hurts from past rejection or current relational riffage uh, with family members or friends or in the workplace or at school or or whatever it may be. God, I pray that you would um, apply your peace by your Spirit to our lives. God, that you would apply peace and fill the gaps of broken relationships. God, for those experiencing hardship financially or experiencing intense illness or, or chronic sickness, God, I pray that you would give them great peace as well. God, even globally, do I, I, I do pray, Lord, that you would extend your peace across the globe. God, we have friends in parts of the world that are experiencing intense, violent opposition to the gospel. God, people being injured and killed. And God, it's devastating. I pray that you would comfort them by your peace. And Lord, I ask that you would give us hearts to be so bold to even pray that the perpetrators of such heinous violence would come to repentance and faith. God, that's a prayer that my angry heart does not even want to pray. But Lord, I pray that if it would please you, that you would bring repentance and faith in Christ to terrorists, that you would bring repentance and faith to Christ to those who are violently opposed to the gospel of Jesus. God, we've seen that you've done that even in the Bible. God, you used, you took a man named Saul and changed him to Paul. God, that you took a man who was violently opposed to the gospel and used him to, to send out the gospel to all parts of the globe. So Lord, I pray that we would see something amazing happen globally. And God, that we would see amazing things happen personally. So, Lord, for those in this room who don't know you, I pray that they would come to faith, God, that you would awaken dead hearts to beat with life, to believe the gospel, to believe the good news of Christ, who lived the perfect life, who died a death as our substitute, who rose again to proclaim his victory, and who ascended to sit at your right hand to reign eternally, God, that because of that good news, we have acceptance, peace, and salvation. And we pray that amazing things would happen for your glory and our joy and that the good news of Jesus would advance to the nations. We ask in his holy name. Amen.